This is episode 298 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's articles are 18 Simple Habits That Create a Prepared Mindset and How Much Worse Does It Have to Get Before You Act. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey, before we get started, I want to let you know that this episode is sponsored by the Preparedness Community's Guide to a Microbiz and Increasing Your Finances. It's time to finally advance your preparedness goals. Get the ebook and join the forums you can go to microbiz.biz for more information, or you can head over to the prepperwebsitepodcast.com and link to it straight from there from the front page. Hey, I got to tell you that on the forums, I'm really excited about the traction that's that we're getting. It's about by the time you listen to this podcast, it'll be about four or five days of the the forums being active, and just very excited. And so, looking forward to uh, other people, to learning from other people, helping each other out. And, uh, and growing that way. And not only just in the micro biz aspect of it, but in also on the preparedness side of it. You know, so I had, a, you know, PrepperSoft was sending me some ideas like, hey, you know, really it'd be cool to have a forum about this and a forum about that. And so just adding those forums for preparedness. So really excited about that. And I encourage you, if you are someone who maybe you're shying away from social media and it's not the place that you want to be, but you still want to have that interaction in a, in a community and you want to know that, you know, it's someone that's going to take take care of it. And, you know, we're not going to sit there and just let people get bashed or anything like that. Hey, come on over to the forums and you can you can get access to it by buying the Microbiz ebook. It's only $6.49, and that gets you access to the forums. And so, like I said, you can go do that over at uh, theprepperwebsitepodcast.com, and uh, there's a link on the front page. Or you can just go to microbiz.biz.biz, and uh, that'll link right to it as well. All right, so let's go ahead and, um, well, let me do this right before we go into the the first article. Did receive a five-star review on uh, iTunes, and this is from Bonita from Canada. And so I normally don't see these on um, on the iTunes, on the American version of iTunes, right, on the USA version, but I get to see it in my uh, my podcast hosting. And so she simply just said, I learned so much from this podcast. And the fact that it was a five-star review, she said, awesome. I'm just really glad to hear that. And so really appreciate that. I'm glad you're learning, Bodita. And I'm sure there's a lot of other people who are learning as well. And so just it makes me happy that uh, that we're, we're making a difference out there. So appreciate that review. All right, guys, let's go ahead and jump into our first article. It comes to us from theorganicprepper.com. And uh, it's titled, Eight Simple Habits That Create a Prepared Mindset. And these are just some great things to, to know. And uh, as a father, uh, I, you know, some of these things like I'm repeating over and over again. And so it's good to know that uh, Daisy is doing it uh, as well over there. And so you might be a parent, you might be a grandparent and these types of things uh, that you hear. It's just good preparedness information. But, you know, sometimes you don't realize that it's just you start putting these things inside of you and you make them habits and they are, they're just, it's part of preparedness. It leads into preparedness and uh, being able to be aware of what's going on. So let's go ahead and jump right into this one. 18 simple habits that create a prepared mindset. 
Look both ways before crossing the street. Take a sweater so you don't get a chill. Don't let the gas tank get under half. Most of us have heard these and many other parental adages over the years, but how many of us really stop and think about the importance of such advice when it comes to being prepared? I may drive my family nuts when I ask if everyone has a sweater or sweatshirt before we go out the door, but every time the weather changes on us, they are glad they had something to throw over their shoulders. My teen heaves a big sigh every time I make her change out of flip-flops before a road trip or bring socks and shoes, but if we break down and have to walk somewhere, she'll be thankful for mean old mom's demands. As someone who has lived around the world and dealt with both personal emergencies and weather-related incidences, I can attest that there are certain habits that once ingrained will serve you well someday. These habits may seem silly, neurotic, or just too simple to even think about, but they've helped me react more quickly, or better yet, be proactive, have alleviated my worries and concerns, and have even allowed me to help others in stressful and scary situations. So 18 simple habits that will help you be better prepared. The best part of the following list of habits is that the bulk of them are about making the most of what you have and using your brain. If you're just starting out on your journey towards preparedness, you can choose just one or two basic concepts to incorporate into your daily routines, making you more prepared almost immediately. If you're further along, pick something that you could brush up on or use this list to ask yourself how you're really doing. Every one of us is unique, as are our homes, families, and lifestyles, so these lists aren't meant to be exhaustive or perfect fit for everyone. Please use my experiences and insights as a springboard to think about habits you can develop or habits you might want to break and go from there. All right, the first set of habits are organizational habits. All right, create a drop point for your keys, wallets, purse, briefcase, and other items vital to your day. We have a key rack that is hung near our most used door, which my keys always go on as I walk in the door and my purse is always nearby. In an emergency, everyone in the family knows where these items are and anyone can grab them on their way out the door, even in the dark. Bonus, no more lost keys. All right, this one right here, the fact that she started out with this one, that Daisy started out with this one, this is the one that I gripe so much on. Now, we have, just like Daisy mentioned, we have a place where we put our keys at the very front, you know, where we, where we uh, exit the house and uh, go to our, our vehicles. And everyone does a pretty good job of putting their keys there, but it's the wallets, right? And so it drives me nuts. And so, uh, you know, my kids are always looking for their wallets and I'm always telling them, put it in one, one place every single time so you know exactly where it is, right? And uh, that's one thing, it just doesn't seem, I can't get that drilled into their head. So every time they're looking for it, I'm like, uh-huh, that's exactly, that's why I tell you, always put it exactly where you know it's going to be. And so I do the same thing. I come home and I uh, I don't have a briefcase, I, I carry a backpack. I put my backpack in the same place, I put my keys up, I put my, you know, if I change clothes, which I usually do when I get home, I put my wallet, you know, I put everything in one place so that in the morning it's there and I know exactly where it is. And so how beneficial is it to have everything in one place and you just, you don't have to go looking for keys if you have to evacuate your home or your wallet or your purse or anything important like that. All right, continuing on. Keep a pair of closed toe shoes or sturdy slippers by your bed at night and create a safe space within arm's reach of your bed for things like glasses or hearing aids. 
When living in earthquake country, I knew it was possible my glasses would fall during a tremor, but I knew where they would most likely land and where I should check for them, even if darkness prevented me from seeing them. If you tend to sleep unfettered by clothing, keep a robe nearby would also be a good habit to have. Change batteries and smoke detectors and carbon monoxide alarms. When you change your clocks, then change passwords for online accounts, save a backup of your computer files, inventory your pantry, rotate your vehicle emergency items, and perform perform other tasks that may need to be done seasonally. Having set a day twice a year will ensure you've got these things on the calendar. This is a great time for dental exams and cleanings as well. You'll always know when you're due for a checkup. Speaking of exams, try scheduling your annual physical based off of your birthday or anniversary. If you're a fairly healthy person, it's easy to let an annual exam go. But being in good health is key to being prepared for what life throws your way. Scheduling exams near your birthday will get you in and out of the doctor's office at a time that's easy to remember. Don't toss old cell phones and chargers right away. If you tend to upgrade every two years, keep your old phone charged and store it in a a storm shelter or safe room in case of an emergency. Tip, if your bedroom is your safe space, keep the phone near those slippers and glasses in the middle of the night. There's no question in the middle of the night where you put it at all. And then I would also add too, if you have old cell phones and you never know, but you know, you could download, you know, books and PDFs and important things or maybe even music to it. You never know what later on what the future might hold for that. So uh, definitely there, there's always uses for that. Behavioral habits. All right, let's go uh, with behavioral habits. Teach children to enter and exit vehicles quickly and to buckle up as promptly as possible. With wee ones, this can be difficult, so another option is for all children to enter through one door while you monitor their entry and the parking lot around you. If your vehicle has a key fob, consider locking the doors behind your passengers while you walk around to the driver's side and unlock only your door. And you know, if you have a minivan or you have a big SUV where you can, uh, you know, you can get inside of there and close the door and lock the door while you're strapping everybody in. That might be good as well. Uh, you know, that might be a good habit to be in. All right, moving on. Keep car doors and windows secured as much as possible, especially when driving in densely populated areas. Every predator likes easy prey. A carjacker can't open your door easily if it's locked, and burglars love open garage doors and windows. I mean, that's always been, ever since I was a kid, that's always been a habit of mine that I just lock the doors. I don't know why, you know. And, uh, well, I mean, I know why, but uh, it's just something that I've always done. It just makes sense. All right, so hitting the road, wear or pack sturdy shoes, and even for quick errands, channel my grandmother and make sure you take a sweater or a jacket. And if you're one of those who lives, maybe you live in California and you're wearing sandals all the time or or maybe you live on the beach or, or whatever and it's just, that's not normal, right? Normal attire would be sandals or flip-flops or something like that. Keep some older shoes that, you know, are comfortable but, you know, are closed-toed and uh, some socks in your car. You know, you can put that in your go bag or you can put it in your trunk or underneath your, your seat if you, you have a, a, a truck or something like that. And uh, you just keep them there. That, that's always smart. All right, uh, moving on. Keep all vehicle fueled with at least half a tank and maintain them properly. You can deck out your rig with every survival tool on the planet, 
but you'll still need fuel if you want to drive off into the sunset. Drive carefully and with awareness. Speed demons have to spend more on fuel, on maintenance, and on tickets and insurance. Do some research on defensive driving and hypermilling. You needn't drive like a slug to reap the benefits of not tailgating and having more room to maneuver in bad weather or heavy traffic. Let the other guy be the one who gets pulled over. Look around. One of the easiest habits to create to help you become better prepared is to increase your situational awareness. Smartphones are a helpful tool, but these days we are seeing a dangerous trend in a society where people are walking into traffic, off cliffs, and into rowdy crowds without even realizing they've endangered themselves and others. The same thing goes for eating. Actually, if you've got a habit of staring at your plate and wolfing down your food, it may be time to practice looking up and noticing who's around and what is occurring around you. Admittedly, a lot of folks are looking down at their phones, so you may get to have a laugh thinking back to this article. Learn to use mirrors and reflective surfaces to better your awareness. Obviously, this is essential out on the road. Your mirrors and head checks will help you see tots on bicycles crossing behind you and semi-trucks barreling down on you. Being in the habit of using shop windows to check out fellow shoppers is also a great habit. If you're ever in doubt about being followed or someone's intent, you can stop and window shop and get glimpses without turning around. All right, so let's go ahead and move into mental habits. The first one is learn and live Colonel Jeff Cooper's combat mindset and color code. You can even practice condition orange in the aforementioned traffic situation. Watch what other drivers do, make a prediction about their behavior, and pre-plan the action you will take if they do act in a certain manner. This saved me thousands of dollars in repairs and a freeway speed accident years ago. While merging onto the freeway, I noticed a flatbed truck with a wooden frame and sheets of glass on the back. Thinking about how I should react if something like that were to fall off such a truck, I slowed and gave the driver more room. You can imagine the size of my eyes when he sped up and the entire frame began to rock and tilt right off the flatbed. Because I slowed down, I had more room to maneuver because I had thought if that were to fall, I could cause an accident by slamming on my brakes. I won't do that. I will steer to the opposite shoulder and go around it. That's exactly what I did and I went right past the debris and the truck as the truck driver hit the brakes and pulled over. The same sort of practice can be done in a shopping mall, the library, your office, and in your own home. The more you practice if-she-then-I scenarios, the more prepared your mind will be in a crisis. I can't agree more with uh, with Daisy on that one. Definitely be paying attention. And, you know, I don't know if, if you're experiencing this where you live, but a combination of driving in the cell phones Oh my gosh, you just want to pull people over and just wring their necks, right? Or you are at a you're at a light and the light turns green and then they they're just sitting there and you know they're looking down at their phone and then you wind up honking and then they you know they start speeding and then if for whatever reason, you know, they've waited so long, you don't get to make the light. It just drives me absolutely nuts. And I'm sure it's driving uh, I'm sure it drives you nuts as well if you've ever experienced that. It's just crazy. People need to be off their phones for just a little bit. The the email will be there, social media will be there, everything will be there. All right, uh, moving on. Learn to trust your gut. I certainly don't think some superhero prepper power came out in my freeway experience. 
a gut instinct simply gave me a few seconds notice and piqued my curiosity about how I could best respond, allowing me to pre-plan and react as smoothly as I did. If you're not in the habit of trusting those feelings, consider examining them more closely and listening to what they are telling you. People watch. Some of us are already already have this nosy little habit, right? There are folks out there who are delighted to wait for friends and family in an airport, on a park bench, or in a cafe because people are just so fascinating. People watching is a great way to start testing your combat mindset, as well as to be aware of how things normally go in your neighborhood, your church, and your workplace. If you recognize the vehicles that frequent your block or the people who sit in the pews around you, you are better prepared to both welcome friendly newcomers and to stave off those with ill intent. Analyze the locations you frequent and examine your own needs and abilities in them. Is it safer to park further out in a lot so you have fewer people and vehicles parked around your car? Or is it better for you to park close in and have quicker access from an exit? Where are the safest places to sit in meetings and religious services? Consider these issues and decide on a plan of action for each location. At the same time, think about what weapons or defenses will be in place if you cannot use your primary defense method. That is, using a fire extinguisher or pencil as a weapon because you're meeting with your child's teacher and can't legally carry a firearm in the school. Next one up is be professional and confident in your dealings with others. As the old saying goes, you'll get more flies with honey than vinegar. So remember that you'll be more likely to get what you want or need if you communicate in a calm, professional manner. Confidence also makes you less viable as prey to those with criminal intent. Being calm is vital to de-escalating a situation when faced with someone dealing with mental illness. Research effective communication and how to diffuse situations when dealing with difficult personality types. It will make a difference in family and public communication, but it could also save your life. And you know, one of the things, one of the pieces of advice that I recently gave to someone who was having issues with someone in, at work is make a game out of it. Try, try to win them over. I mean, you know, so they might get on your nerves. They might be saying things, but see if you can do things to win them over. Experiment. You know, use it as a social experiment. And then, you know what, you use that with everyday people. There's a, a person that I used to work with who, behind the scenes, she was just a, a man, she, she was something else, you know, and she had an opinion about everything, but when, and, and everybody, but when it came to interacting with people, especially people that, that you know, that she had to, to deal with and knew that they impacted what she did. Man, she was always smiles and always, and, and it wasn't really a manipulation type thing, but she knew that, you know, she had to get along. She, de- she depended on other people and she knew that she, the best thing would to be, it would be to keep other people on her side, right? I would watch her when she would do that and we would, uh, you know, converse about it later on and she would just kind of smile and say, you know, hey, it's just, and she would say that same thing. It's easier to catch flies with honey than with vinegar and so uh you know she just she used that her smile and she used her ability to talk to people as an advantage and i think that's something smart that we can all do and then lastly choose to be positive a good attitude and a survivor mentality can make or break how you survive crisis situations both large and small 
Being a negative Nelly is bad for your morale and that of everyone around you. Learn to look at the glass or the gas tank as half full and you'll see opportunities in a survival situation that others might not. You needn't don rose-colored glasses and be a Pollyanna, but since about 40% of our happiness is achieved through choice, it is possible to reap health and social benefits from a habit of viewing things positively. So what habits would you add to this list? Do you practice these simple habits? Are there other habits you'd like to add to the list? Let us know in the comments section below. Well, there, guys, there are, and actually this uh, was written by uh, Melanie Kennedy. Um, there are eight comments here, and some of them are, are, are you know, good advice here. So definitely I would encourage you to come check out uh, the Organic Prepper on this one. And, uh, of course, like always, I will link to it in the show notes. And you can come and uh, read these a little bit more carefully. But then also the comments, uh, people giving a little bit more advice. So, uh, you know, great set there. And it's always a great set of advice, uh, pieces of advice here. And then things to add, you know, uh, maybe you've heard of all of these before. Maybe you haven't heard of all of these, but maybe you can start applying them uh, to your life. And they might seem so simple, but they do make a big difference. So, again, that's over at theorganicprepper.com. All right, our next article comes to us from ModernSurvivalBlog.com, and this one is entitled, How Much Worse Does It Have to Get Before You Act? And Ken wrote this based off of a a comment that someone else made in another article. And uh, so he gives a little bit of information here, and then I think the, the, the amazing thing about this one is there's 269 comments. And so uh, this was written... Uh, you know, written about 10 days ago, but there's a lot of comments here. And so people just, you know, given a lot of their information. And so when you have a topic like this, if you're interested in this, this is the type of article you want to go to and read the comments because people will just have so many different perspectives on this. And again, the title is how much worse does it have to get before you act? And so uh, let's go ahead and read this one and get into it. People, like horses, can be led to water, but you can't make them drink. A paragraph from MSB contributor Bill Jenkins' horse quotes, I have been in SHTF mode for almost two years. Have asked here many times how much worse does it have to get before you act. Never get responses. So, I guess the wolf has to be eating at the dinner table before people will take action. Really sad. Many good people will fall by the sword due to indecision. Bill Jenkins' horse. End quote. So how much worse does it have to get before you act? Some most certainly have been in SHTF mode. Some keep their details to themselves. Note, I'm not sure what exactly BJH meant by the word act. However, I'm suggesting that it includes taking personal preparedness actions towards living through real SHTF or Teotwaki may be raw. And so guys, let me, I know there's a lot of new listeners uh, to the podcast. Let me, uh, those acronyms here. SHTF is, of course, the poop hits the fan. Teotwaki stands for the end of the world as we know it. And raw, W-R-O-L, is without rule of law. And that's, you know, like society has completely broken down and there's no laws whatsoever governing society. All right, moving right along. That said, there's no doubt that there are many preppers who are not prepared for SHTF calamity, upheaval, or societal breakdown. 
Certainly, there are many preppers who have taken action towards their general preparedness while not going beyond what may be considered ordinary. I believe BJH is talking about extraordinary. In his words, SHTF mode. He brings up an excellent topic, which is why I'm posting it here today. SHTF mode prepping. What exactly is that? And is anyone actively doing this right now? Perhaps the most overused acronym in the prepper realm, SHTF. It means something different for all of us. A definition cannot be pinned down because it's often relative towards one's own views or context. However, most of us will likely agree that SHTF is bad. Real bad. When I personally consider its meaning, I view it as a very wide-reaching. Affecting a vast number of people, it's something beyond singular or personal disaster, beyond local or local disaster, even beyond a regional disaster. SHTF may be the combined results of several or more factors that add up to be extraordinarily disruptive to the current mainstream way of life, even to the extent of survivability. Extreme events, either sudden or building over time, that drastically affect today's normalcy. Regardless of specific causation, SHTF will include social civil breakdown, societal disaster, a slow or fast ripping the fabric of civility and social cohesion, great ideological divisions even leading to civil war, a breakdown into the depth of social chaos. Breakdown of disruption and supplies. Billions of us depend upon a functional, complicated, and just-in-time supply chain for survival. This cannot be overemphasized. Sadly, though, its existence is so ingrained as normal that there is no comprehension as to its breaking or going away. And then struggle, desperation, and battle. The effects are widespread and range from struggle to desperation to outright battle for some, Self-reliance and self-sufficiency will be the new path to survival for many. The majority, though, will have great difficulty in this realm. The point I'm making for the sake of this article is that SHTF, in this context, is a condition that's almost unimaginable. But you know what? You need to try and imagine it so that you can be prepared for it. Not all preppers feel the need to prepare for SHTF as described above. Why? because not all preppers feel that the likelihood warrants that type of attention. Most of us would like to believe that something so horrible would never happen in our lifetime. All you have to do, though, is look back through history. It has happened over and over and over again. And guess what? It's going to happen again. For those of us who have the time and critical thinking ability, all you have to do is look and research beyond the mainstream to discover what is closer to the truth of what's going on around you and the world today. Never in human civilization have so many people depended upon technology to survive. The way of true self-reliance and self-sufficiency are largely gone. If the rug were pulled out, it would be lights out. That's a scary thing. But technology never breaks, right? Today's current events are exceedingly problematic. Alarmingly, most people don't even realize the dangers we're facing. The scope of this short article is not to get into all that. However, there are particular moves afoot that risk our future freedoms. Other moves risk a world conflict that's unimaginable. After all that's said, the question is this, how much worse does it have to get before you act? There are several answers in my estimation, and they depend on the perspective of the individual being asked. 
Some have no clue that it's getting worse or bad right now. Others feel that things aren't that good, but that's just life. Still others believe that it's bad all right, but life and change will go slowly. Many feel that it may get bad, but won't get that bad. Lots believe that they'll be okay even if it does. It's easy to think that your location won't be affected. And rational people may believe that others will remain rational too. I would add one more here that says that the government uh, will help in some way. You know, the people will help because that's what people have seen uh, lately when there's disasters. Here down in Houston, when Hurricane Harvey happened, people, uh, you know, people from all over the nation came to help. When things have happened in other places, people, you know, people uh, volunteer and send money. Puerto Rico, uh, you know, Virgin Islands, all these places, people step up. But in this scenario that Ken is talking about here, there's not going to be any help. Um, there's not going to be, you know, this. there would be a very limited government and the government has proven many times over that they're not prepared for even smaller scale uh, you know, emergencies, much less a big nationwide emergency. So I would kind of add that there. So let's get a discussion going. What specific things would have to happen to get people into SHTF mode? If you already in SHTF mode, what events have led you to this? All right. So like I said, 269 comments here and uh, that you can go and check out over at modernsurvivalblog.com. And uh, when, when you have that many comments and people chiming in and this type of, um, this type of topic, um, you're going to get a lot of good stuff. And so if you are interested in this, which I know many of you are, I mean, some people, you know, preparedness runs the gamut. You have people that are all the way over like, hey, I want to prepare for a natural disaster like a hurricane or rain or you know, the lights go out or, you know, uh, you know, if I lose my job type of thing. Right. And then you have people all the way on the other side completely preparing for nuclear war, you know, EMP and, and all the other things that are there and everything in between. So there's a wide spectrum spectrum of people that prepare. And so, you know, I try to keep mindful of that when I'm uh, linking to articles on Prepper website or even reading articles here. And so I know that there's people that have been prepping for a while and, uh, you know, sometimes when you've been prepping for a while, you're like, man, I've heard all of this before. I don't, nothing kind of phases me. I'm just going to keep on doing what I'm doing. And, you know, you, you go that way. And some of you are very new and it's like, man, you, your, your eyes are awake to what's going on. So regardless, there's still people in both of those camps that are interested in the SHTF, you know, big SHTF scenarios. So definitely this is an article that you should come check out. And like always, I'm going to link to to it in the show notes. Well, everyone, that is it for episode 298. To subscribe to the show, head on over to the Prepper website podcast.com. And that way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And take a moment to connect with me. I have a ton of ways to connect in the show notes or over on the Prepper website podcast. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.